This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show. The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant. It is Tuesday, July 20th of 2021. I don't know how you guys as kids maybe handled your vegetables. I used to try to pull fast ones on my dear sweet mother, Kitsy. One of the things that I would do, I hate green beans, still hate green beans. I don't think they have much flavor. But I would try to store as many in my cheeks as I possibly could, and then I would go to the sink afterwards and try to spit out a couple. That way I thought I wouldn't have to eat those green beans. But guess what? If you want to be a, a growing, healthy young man, you do need to eat your veggies. And if the Seattle Mariners want to actually have a shot at potentially being in postseason range by the end of the year, then this little two-game set that they have against the Colorado Rockies, they got to sweep it. And it's a shame that they did not do that earlier this year when they had their first little two-game set against the Colorado Rockies, a team that is dreadful on the road at T-Mobile Park just a couple of weeks ago. They should have gotten it done there. At a certain point, you can actually add up all of the games that you should have had. And I would say that the Mariners going into Coors Field tonight with Marco Gonzalez, who has not been pitching great this season, on the hill against Danny's apple of his eye, Yerman Marquez, the starter for Colorado. This is a game that the Mariners need to win. And I say that because if you take a look at the 17 games that they have after they play the Colorado Rockies, It might be the toughest stretch of the year. There is an interlude in between uh, in the midst of these 17 games where they play the Texas Rangers. But coming up, they have four home games against the Oakland A's, three home games against the Houston Astros, three games on the road against the Tampa Bay Rays, who they did sweep in four games at T-Mobile Park earlier this year, and four games on the road against the New York Yankees, which is a team that seems to be showing some signs of life a team that, on top of showing some of those signs of life, is also one that took two or three from you the last time you went up against them. So it's going to be very important that the Mariners take care of business tonight. And I really do wonder, when it comes to Marco Gonzalez, what he's going to be able to do out there. Because the velocity hasn't been quite where it's needed to be. He dealt with the injury at the beginning of the year. He he now has a, a... Child, last week on the Jerry DePoto Show, which you can hear on Danny and Gallant, check out the Danny and Gallant podcast, every single Thursday at 8.30, I asked Jerry about Marco Gonzalez's struggles. Here's what Jerry had to say. It hasn't gone smoothly. Uh, Interrupted, you know, by uh, an issue with his arm. Uh, Interrupted, obviously, with with the birth of his child, which is, you know, as I said to him and, and for every player, those are moments in life that, that should interrupt. And, you know, it's a, as a result, we just haven't gotten him on track. And I just think he needs to get out there and get consistent innings and hopefully get back to where he is. You know, command and precision-type pitchers, which is what Marco is, they thrive on, on consistency in the reps. And, you know, hopefully getting him out there every fifth day and giving him the opportunity to, to throw those 100, 100-plus pitches – and, and get back to his command. Marco's never been about the physical stuff. It's always about the command. And I do think that the more pitchers of his genre pitch, the better they get. 
I hope that last part is true. The problem's been this season, you haven't really seen anything that makes you think that all of a sudden Gonzalez is going to turn it around. It's looks violent. He has been getting smashed when guys make contact with the baseball. It hasn't looked good. And I would just point to that game against the hapless Texas Rangers not too long ago, right before the 4th of July. I was there in person, and boy, it it was it looked very brutal and violent in person, especially sitting on the first baseline and seeing it so closely. I just don't have that faith that he's going to be able to regain his form. But he needs to. The Mariners have to eat their veggies tonight. They got to beat these Colorado Rockies twice. They're not a very good team. This is the team, the kind of team that you eat to build a strong and healthy record. They should have beaten them already. Swept them in that two-game series earlier. Take care of business tonight. Take care of business tomorrow. And then maybe things get a little bit interesting when the trade deadline rolls around. Today's question has to do with the Seattle Seahawks. We haven't talked a lot of Seahawks recently. That's because the Mariners have been playing so well. And I think that's actually great because after a certain point during the NFL offseason, you start to get tired of some of the same storylines that you're discussing over and over and over again. However, we're almost a week away from training camp, and I thought we should start to dive back into the Seahawks to, you know, get a little loosened up to get better as the season, as the offseason goes along, like Marco Gonzalez, we hope, will. With Russell Wilson under center, it feels like a God-given right that the Seattle Seahawks will have a plus 500 record every single year that he is a starter, right? I mean, that's been the case thus far. Nine seasons at the helm for the Seattle Seahawks, and Seattle has been plus 500 every single year. That's really impressive. And when you compare Russell Wilson to other all-time great quarterbacks, there's really only one other guy that you can take a look at and point to as having that same kind of win-loss success, which is not exactly a quarterback statistic, wins and losses, much like it isn't really a pitcher statistic, too, in baseball. Still, though, Tom Brady has also, over the course of his long career in the NFL, only had zero seasons below 500. Zero. Russell Wilson also has zero. Every other all-time great quarterback has actually dealt with seasons where they have not been able to finish above 500. And it's interesting that we all feel this way about Russell Wilson, and maybe it's also because we feel this way about the Seahawks organization now that Pete Carroll is in charge. But all of these quarterbacks have had multiple below 500 seasons as a starter. Peyton Manning has had two. John Elway has had two. Brett Favre has had two. Aaron Rodgers has had two. Dan Marino has had two. Joe Montana has had three. Drew Brees has had six. And I'm sure that if we really want to get into the argument, oh, who is a all-time great quarterback, maybe we dive back into the 70s and the 60s. Maybe we can find an anomaly here. But when you got a great quarterback, you are generally guaranteed to finish above 500. Every now and then, usually due to injuries, you will find a team maybe falling way, way out of sorts despite having a quarterback that's a great quarterback under center. But it's been something that we've expected with Russell Wilson under center. And I think it's something you should continue to expect. I'm just hoping that the one weird anomaly season isn't right around the corner. 
because, yeah, well, it hasn't happened for Tom Brady yet. That it's happened to every single other quarterback multiple times that we've looked at as these just unbelievable studs does make me a little wary. Doesn't make me predict that the Seahawks are going to have a losing season going into this year. And I actually am of the belief that as long as Russell Wilson is under center, that the Seahawks are going to win more games than lose them. Now that you have a 17-game slate, I feel like that gives the Seahawks a better chance of getting at least one more win over the course of the year. But I just found that interesting. If you were to compare Russell Wilson to the other all-time great quarterbacks, that is something that he has a leg up on them with. Now, when we go into the playoff conversations, Russell does sort of fall in with the rest of the NFL's quarterbacks all-time in that, yeah, he's made it a lot, but there have been definitely a fair share of losses. Tom Brady's really the weird anomaly that jumps out, not just with the zero seasons below 500, but also the whole winning seven Super Bowls thing, getting to 10 of them, which is still just absurd. But that's something that Russell's been able to do every single year. And while I definitely have been annoyed with a lot of the things that have come out of Camp Russell Wilson this offseason, this is a very positive feather to put in your cap as we head into the 2021 campaign. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line is how you text in. I still think he has at least one more Super Bowl appearance before his career is over. And then Russell Wilson will go into the sports casting booth. I really hope that Russell Wilson does not go into the sports casting booth. I'm sorry. He will say absolutely nothing. And that's nothing against him. But do you want somebody who is actually going to, I don't know, give you information? Or do you want somebody who is great at talking around things? I think Russell Wilson is so skilled in the art of artfully dodging questions that you would never hear remote criticism over the course of a broadcast. And I like a little bit of criticism from time to time across a broadcast. Anyway, this text continues. Most NFL quarterbacks really can't say that. Maybe the top 15 can say that, realistically, as far as what quarterbacks you assume you will be plus 500 at the end of a year because that guy's under center. So that's on the table. Do you expect that every single year? Do you think that there will never be a sub- 500 season with Russell Wilson at the helm. To this point, that has been the case. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 10-15, you get to call in 206-421-3776. Your chance to be heard. You can listen to the Paul Gallant Show on your 710 app on your smart speaker. You can also watch 710sports.com slash video. You can listen via podcast too. Subscribe. Five-star review. If you need to leave a nice little roast, maybe I'll read it on the air. It is 1010. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Now it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? Good. I was trying to think of what word it was that Russell Wilson was using so much this offseason that we would hear in that broadcast, and I think it was reality, right? The reality is the reality of yeah. the reality is of my legacy, which is the reality. Yes. There'd be a lot of realities and legacies in that broadcast. Yeah. 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 Which, look, to each their own. Some people have crutch words. <laughs> I know I have some, and I forget what they are, but there is generally a tell that I have when all of a sudden I've lost my train of thought, and I'm trying to regather it. There's like three words I say. Off the top of my head, I do not remember them, but I know what happens, and I always catch myself saying it, and I'm like, dang it, Paul. Why is your gerbil-sized brain always darting off and thinking about random other things that happen over the course of your life? Like, oh, wow, I'm going to watch a little episode of Sopranos when I get home. 
I wonder what Dr. Melfi's going to have to say to Tony today, you know? I think it happens to us all. Mine's usually because I'm thinking about food. Ooh. What food are you thinking about right now? I start thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner. Or... What are you going to have for dinner? <laughs> um, I made fajitas last night. Ooh. So leftovers. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm hungry now. Dang <laughs> okay. it. Moving on. The Rams have lost running back Cam Akers for the season after he suffered a torn Achilles while training. He was their leading rusher in his rookie season last year and had 173 all-purpose yards against the Seahawks in their playoff meeting. He is a plus running back. I don't know if he's a great running back. This is a big loss for L.A., though, who would have to put in Daryl Henderson afterwards, and Henderson's always been banged up. Pro Football Focus put out this ridiculous tweet predicting that Henderson's going to fill in and have 1,450 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns. I don't know what projection model they are using. That is asinine. That is a terrible take by them. Regardless of whether or not it's uncool to put up something like that after Cam Akers suffers a torn Achilles. And by the way, I am about to say something uncool. Look, it stinks for Cam Akers. It really does. And I feel bad for anyone who suffers an injury like that. You only have a finite amount of years as a running back to earn bread in this league, and it stinks. It really does. All I'm saying is, from a Seahawks perspective, it is good. Much like Aaron Rodgers sitting out would be good for the Seahawks. That's it. That's all I'm saying. He ran all over the Seahawks in the playoffs. Am I saying he? I'm happy he's gone? No, I'm just saying it's good for the Seahawks that he's out. He ran all over them. I mean, he, he, he made, there were a couple of moments in that game where he made Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams look foolish. So, just saying. Just trying to be honest here. And now we move on. I don't want to touch it. I get I have like weird uh, superstitions with injuries like that. Like I worry that if I say anything even close to negative about someone with an injury, that then my favorite players are going to get hurt on my favorite teams. Yeah. <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense, but I worry about it. I don't believe in karma. <laughs> I mean, we're seeing Ooh. billionaires launch into all space right. today. So, I mean, like, you know, all the th- all the things that they have done along the way to get to where <laughs> they are. And they're getting to fly around in space. Meanwhile, in their uh, uh, interestingly shaped rocket ships. <laughs> oh, goodness. Next story. Paul. Yeah. Adam Schefter reports that Aaron Rodgers turned down a lucrative contract extension with the Packers. At some point this offseason, the Green Bay Packers offered Aaron Rodgers a two-year contract extension that would have tied him to Green Bay for five more seasons, made him the highest-paid quarterback and player in all of football, and Rodgers did not take the offer. And there right there is the proof that you need to know that this is not about money. This, over the course of the next week, and the discussions that they will have, the two sides, is about figuring out a way that Aaron Rodgers would be willing to show a camp so that he could eventually leave the Green Bay Packers. This is something that was floated by Green Bay to Adam Schefter. They're trying to make it look like, look, we're trying everything that we possibly can. And by the way, they are. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers is acting like a giant diva if he's not willing to take up the Packers on their offer. I mean, what more do you want at this point? They drafted Jordan Love. They probably regret having drafted Jordan Love. But drafting Jordan Love was understandable given the way that the 2019 season finished for Aaron Rodgers. He did not look anything like he looked during 2020. And there's an idea that maybe, just maybe, Jordan Love being drafted sort of revitalized Aaron Rodgers and his commitment and made him play the way that he did this past season. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but if you had watched the the couple of seasons before that, I can understand why the Packers thought, you know what, let's have what's next ready to go. Just in case. Just in case the decline continues. And Aaron Rodgers made them look like fools. 
What is really going on behind the scenes that has Aaron Rodgers so upset when he is playing for a team that over the past two years has won 28 games, including the playoffs? That, to me, is just mind-blowing. I cannot fathom what it is that has Aaron so upset. Poor Aaron Rodgers. Poor Russell Wilson this offseason, too. You know, woe is me, the quarterback playing for a consistently great franchise. Both of these guys. I don't get it. I really don't. And while this is definitely the Packers trying to make it look like, hey, look, we're trying, and it is a little bit embarrassing, I do get why they would put that out there. Like, what more can you do at this point? Nothing. That is what's trending. Brought to you by Kings Eating and Air with more Dooley every single day. At 1010. 206-421-3776 is how you call in to the Paul Galan Show. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. How many more years can Seattle keep up this stretch of plus 500 football? Does Russell Wilson guarantee you? Is it dogmatic, a God-given right, that Seattle wins more games than they lose every single year that Russell Wilson is under center? Or is Russell Wilson going to be like every other all-time great and have a couple of years under center where the Seahawks actually don't finish above 500? It has happened to legitimately every other great quarterback outside of Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. And I find that fascinating. 206-421-3776. It's your chance to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be her. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. We always get some interesting takes when it comes to Russell Wilson. But this text has to do with something that ESPN put out earlier today. ESPN put the Seahawks in the division basement. And they think that Russell is gone in two years because Seahawks wants a bigger beat or fish market. Who's wearing blinders? Us or them? You know, I do think that when it comes to the way that people are looking at the Seahawks, there is a constant repetitive story that comes across. The Seahawks win as long as Russell Wilson is here. They don't draft particularly well. I don't know that I buy that Russell Wilson could theoretically force his way out of town. If Aaron Rodgers can't, then who can, right? And I know that Aaron Rodgers is up there in age, but I I just feel like this offseason, which I thought going into it, we actually might see quarterbacks all of a sudden start to wield the same kind of power that NFL players do. I think what we have seen is that these guys don't actually have the power that they hope that they might. <laughs> Text in, 710-710. So you like criticism, Paul? It must be difficult to come up with topics to discuss for multiple hours a day, five days a week. But the Seahawks under Russell Wilson will probably win one more game than they lose. Is stupid and not interesting in the slightest. Better luck tomorrow. I mean, that's how automatic we think it is. And it's amazing that it has been automatic. That's all I'm pointing out. I mean, Drew Brees has been, as a starting quarterback, under 500 six times in his career. And we think of Drew Brees as one of the best that we've ever seen in this generation. Happened with Peyton Manning twice. It was at the beginning of his career. So Peyton Manning's almost in this conversation. John Elway, Dan Marino, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. I find it fascinating that Russell Wilson, and it's only been nine years, but Russell Wilson has been able to make it happen every single year and that he's been durable enough to get through it every single year. 206-421-3776. That is how you call into the Paul Galan Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Let's go to Evan in Pialop. Evan, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going? Doing well, man. Good to hear from you. 
Yeah, um, well, I kind of have, well, I guess it's not a hot take, but I honestly, in my opinion, think Russell Wilson's probably the, one of the most like overlooked quarterbacks of all time so far. Hmm. Um, and the reason I say that is because in, you know, in Seattle, people talk about him and we like him and stuff like that, but as like a whole, as a narrative, I mean, he's on pace to have the most touchdowns ever thrown through his through his first 10 seasons. Um, he has either the first or the second most wins through his career so far. Um, I just feel like there's a very good chance, if he plays a long time, that he will um, have possibly the most touchdowns ever thrown in the history of the game throughout his career. Yeah, and maybe for a like time. For some reason. Yeah. So... I just feel like for some reason he's not put in the category of like Drew Brees and some of these guys, but I feel like at the end of his career he'll be looked at as a top five quarterback of all time. I think it's definitely possible, Evan, but he has to win some more titles. And I think that's one of the things that's always going to be held against Drew Brees. And, I mean, I would just bring that up as we take a look at the quarterbacks who have had sub-500 seasons as starters. I mean, Drew Brees has had six, which was striking. To me, it sort of goes to my argument that he's not this legendary quarterback that a lot of people make him out to be. He's a great quarterback, no doubt about that. I don't think he's anywhere close to the same conversation as Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, just as far as this past generation goes. Statistics are a big part of it at the end, but I think that what stinks for Russ is that last year seemed like it was the opportunity for everyone to potentially crown him as this awesome quarterback. And as a texter points out, I mean, it stinks, but... This is something that we have seen happen the last couple of years. As the season goes along, something happens. As the season goes along, the last two years, he has not looked the same in the second half that he has in the first half. Is that because of the weather? Because weirdly, even though he, you know, this is this is where he plays in the Pacific Northwest, when weather gets kind of crappy, he's not at his best. I'd point to the Vikings game last year. I'd point to the Ravens game in 2019, where he just didn't look like the same Russell Wilson that we've seen. Uh, shoot, even the Saints game um, in 2019 where they're going up against Teddy Bridgewater. Now, that game was weird because there's a lot of fumbles and stuff. And the weather was suboptimal. Not quite as bad as it was later on that year against Baltimore. But for whatever reason, he's not great in those spots. One last call, 206-421-3776. Let's go to our good friend Robert in Kingsgate. Robert, what's up? Hey, um, Paul, thanks for taking my call. And I just want to give a shout-out to your producer. She seems like a really cool... Um, producer more is the best more Dooley is the best yes and she is going to help um, us a lot during hockey season because we all are basically trying to figure it out on the fly right on okay before i answer your question too i just wanted to um throw something at you what is aaron Rodgers, um russell wilson and the xqb from the saints all have in common they all won one super bowl Mm mm-hmm and the one guy that we always kind of just brush aside and never really give consideration for being a great quarterback, because I guess we look at Super Bowls as, you know, a statue of how good you were, that'd be Eli Manning. The guy won two Super Bowl championships, like and we kind of just, you know, just threw him out. He was well, like, bye. I, I, feel like, I feel like you're trolling me, Robert. This is, this is rather pointed. I mean... <laughs> This is a guy who like barely is above 500 as a quarterback and who never was anywhere close to being a top five quarterback, I think, across the NFL. Too I'm many interceptions, in my opinion. I'm not top five. I'm just saying he's won more Super Bowls than both of those guys. He, he has. Listen, listen, Robert, 
Eli gets so much love from those New York yokels who think he's like one of the best quarterbacks ever because they they don't know what football is. Like I, I, honestly, he he gets plenty. He gets I live plenty out of New pleasure. York, all right, so don't say that. That's that's wrong. You're wrong, Paul. You know, I lived mm. out there for six years, mm. and they love football. They think they, that they, they think that Eli Manning's a great quarterback. Hard. Like I think I think we could just leave it at that. Anyway, Robert, what else you got? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, my my question about this is. Um, I think, yeah, we have taken for granted that Russell Wilson that is, uh, you know, leading us to the playoffs and all that. But what would happen this year if he got hurt? Who's our backup? You know, is, you know, why is it such a big deal for these QBs to have such a huge ego that they won't mentor the younger guy, the, the, the rookie that's not even going to play for like, Three or four well, years. it's about it's about resource investment. I, I don't think it's necessarily always about the quarterback who is the starter. I, I mean, sometimes it's just about, hey, do you want to draft a quarterback with a first or a second round pick or something like that and have him behind? And look, I don't think Geno Smith is the best as far as backups go. He's great at coin tosses, but I I, I would prefer somebody else. But most teams don't have great backup quarterback situations unless they're likely about to move on from that quarterback, like we would see with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. Up next, we go into the sports pit with the Graz. And we'll talk about that one question that I have for today's show. Does the existence of Russell Wilson guarantee that the Seahawks will have a plus 500 record every single season that he's here? You get to answer that, and the Graz will answer that next. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're gonna to fail with Paul Gallant. And joining me right now in the sports pit is the Graz. But before we get to the Graz, we want to send you to Saturday's Mariners game. Call 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776 in one minute if you're listening on the radio. 30 seconds if you're on the stream and caller number two, you're going to win two tickets to the Mariners Retro Jersey Night, July 24th. We're giving away a pair of Mariners tickets each hour today. Stay tuned to 710 ESPN Seattle for your next chance to win. Gross, do you have any throwback Mariners gear? Uh, I think all the Mariner gear I have is throwback. Oh, nice. I, 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 my, I know my wife still got a 95 um, champion, uh, Western Championship sweatshirt. Ooh, nice. So that would, that would, be, that would be really old at this point. More teal or tridents? Uh, no, I, I was post Trident. I okay. got here the year they changed the logo from from upside down Trident, the unluckiest logo there is because all of the good luck obviously spills out of the Trident <laughs> to the uh, Compass Rose, which has wor- really worked well at first, but has struggled in recent decades. Uh, Graz, this is the question that I have for everybody on today's show. I, I find it fascinating that you know when you take a look at all time quarterbacks, every now and then they're going to have a dud of a season where the team finishes mm-hmm. below five hundred, and while Win-loss is not necessarily just a quarterback-exclusive statistic. I find it fascinating that of all of the great quarterbacks that we have seen maybe over the last 20, 30 years, Tom Brady and Russell Wilson are the two that have never been the quarterback, starting quarterback for a team that has lost more games than it has won. I, I think that's really interesting, and I wonder if going forward, if that's something that you're just expecting, almost like it's dogma with Russell Wilson under center in Seattle, as long as that ends up being. Oh, for sure. People take it for granted. I mean, you, 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 you see that all the time, and we've seen it here in, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, for years, these take the designated hitter for granted. For <laughs> years, we took left tackle for the Seahawks for granted because you had Walter Jones. You never thought about it. So, yeah, when you've got something that, that, that happens all the time, you tend to just assume. And um, it's, a, it's, it's a, a testament that only he and Brady are the ones that have done it. Although, um, you know, I know training camp is opening in a couple of days, and there'll be lots to learn going forward, but I'm getting the feeling that I might be a little contrarian in my Seahawks pick this year. Ooh, why, why is that? 
Well, partly because I just want to. <laughs> nice. Skip <laughs> Which is Bayless not a great here. reason. <laughs> yeah. But the other the other reason is, you know, I mean it was it was a an off season that that was unlike any other even though I know they patched everything up. Um you're looking at uh taking away uh, an, an extremely I'm going to say underrated, but but maybe he is underrated. Uh, part of your defense, unless they re-signed K.J. Wright, I mean, is a guy that mm-hmm. I think made it go in a whole lot of different ways. You've got uh, some real question marks in the secondary. You may have an angry Jamal Adams on your hands. Uh, it just it strikes me as a couple of X factors. You know, you, you've you've had a lot of injury. Uh, you, you haven't had, a, I'm not going to say injury luck, but certain guys you can't afford to lose. You haven't lost. Uh, it's... Um, I don't know. I just it's sort of a law of averages too, Paul. Getting back to what you said at the, at the beginning, it's it's inevitable. Teams have losing seasons. Right. They do. They do. And 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 this is what nine years in a row now. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's time. You would think it at some point the anomaly would happen, and maybe that's due to an injury, God forbid, or something like that. But it has happened. That's the likeliest reason. Right. Every other quarterback has had that happen, and I think sometimes it has been due. To injury, but yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning had two. They were early in his career. John Elway had two. Dan Marino had two. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre both had two. Joe Montana had three. And Joe Montana dealt with a lot of injuries over the course of his career. Drew Brees had six. So it's just something I found to be striking when it comes to Russell Wilson and all that we have seen of him thus far in his career. He he is a winner. He sure is. Marco Gonzalez has not been a winner this year, Graz. What's going on? This is my great hope, Paul. I mean, this is this is the hope of the second half for me. I mean, we know he's had an injury, and, and anytime you're, you're hurt and had that thing with his forearm and took him out for a while, uh, you know, I'm not going to blame a, a child being born, but that may have changed up his his his, um, his routine, uh, which we know that pitchers and all players are, are very, very, uh, very, very devoted to it and really require. I just I'm thinking that if, if there's one thing you could you could really hope for. In terms of getting a good pitcher for the second half, it would simply be the pitcher on your staff, Marco Gonzalez, who's proven it's not a guy who's had one good year or one good half of a season. He's had the better parts. We only had half a year last year, but he had three good years. He's a proven winner, and is to, to me is a guy that can climb out from from whatever whatever's bothered him. And you just, I think, if you get a quality start from him, it would be the sort of thing like we've seen some other things that that this team would absolutely jump behind. I mean, it would really be a one of those things that would be much bigger than just a quality start. It would be a huge boost for him. So. It starts tonight in Colorado. I mean, they did what they needed to do in Anaheim. They, they took they two out of three. Uh, you know, win, win here in Colorado. Get, you know, Marco in front of his home fans, right? He's from Fort Collins. So he's got, he's got friends and family. I mean, the perfect opportunity for him to, to step up into a better second half. I and mean, if he becomes what he, a reasonable facsimile of what he was the last two or Ooh. three years, that's as good as anything you're going to get in a, in, a, in a trade situation. So um, this is, in my opinion, the most crucial start of the season for the for the Mariners. I mean, th- this is the start that may well determine if, you know, you're going to, because, you know, we've seen Kikuchi slip a little bit. True. You know, Flexen is standing tall, though. You know, uh, Logan Gilbert is standing really tall. And uh, if, if Gonzalez can get back to where he was, I mean, you know, all of a sudden you've got some arms and, and uh, you're in that interesting situation where you can force Jerry DePoto's hand in a week and a half. Let's pause for a moment and acknowledge that DeGraw has successfully used the word facsimile on the air in sports radio. That is, Thank you very much. That is very well done. <laughs> that was really well done. It was just very slyly put in there. I love it. Uh, I, I have one last question for you, Graz, and I, I just saw this moment, and I know that you have had some very interesting interactions in your time covering the media. You know what? We're going to save this for Thursday. There was a really funny 
moment that took place in a press conference over the weekend, and I, I, w- I want to get your reaction to it, but we have run out of time, and, I, and that is my fault because your boy is not great at navigating the clock from time to time in this radio industry. So, Graz, appreciate you joining me, man. Thanks to Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, and, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday. Sounds great, Paul. Thanks, buddy. That is the Graz, everybody. Question of today's show. Since Russell Wilson's had zero sub-500 seasons over the course of his career, does Russell Wilson's mere existence guarantee that the Seahawks are going to be above 500, assuming his health, the rest of his career here? Answer that question for me. The Paul Gallant Show continues. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You know, I do have to be fair because I did ruffle Russell Wilson's feathers, though he's probably unaware of it, over the course of this offseason because I found a lot of the antics tiresome. But on a day like today where you are seeing that Aaron Rodgers is unhappy with whatever godfather offer the Green Bay Packers offered him, despite the fact that they've won 28 games over the last two years and give Aaron Rodgers the best chance of getting maybe a second Super Bowl before his career eventually ends, I do feel like that merits a little bit more scrutiny. He does not have it nearly as bad as he makes it out to be. Maybe there were some seasons in the past where it could have been better, and they definitely stuck with Mike McCarthy a little bit too long. But he did not play pretty well in 2019. Down the stretch, in fact, I thought he struggled. And in that game against the San Francisco 49ers, there was a moment where you're like, is he even really engaged anymore? Yeah, the 49ers were blowing him out at that point. But were they really engaged? Check that. Was he really engaged? Didn't really feel that way. So... When that story comes out today, yes, the Packers are trying to pump their own tires here and say, look, we're trying to do everything we possibly can. But at the same time, I just can't believe that Aaron Rodgers is also going to say no when they're offering him money. I mean, what more can they do? Ritualistically sacrifice Mark Murphy? That is illegal. You can't do that. This is not biblical times. Maybe back in the day, though, you could have. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. It's how you can text in. You could also call in 206 206- 421-3776. And by the way, you want to be tuned in tomorrow night at 5 o'clock because we are going to actually be covering the Kraken's expansion draft. Pick-by-pick pick analysis, 5 to 7 p.m. on 710 ESPN Seattle. I think that with Russell Wilson aboard, much like I used to think with Tom Brady aboard any team, yeah, Plus 500 is practically guaranteed. At some point, it won't, you would think. And a couple of textures have brought up, if it's ever going to happen, this would be the year for a sub-500 team. The office is taking a bit of the financial focus on 15 from the defense. And if this new offensive coordinator hire sputters a little bit, it could mean a little bit of an ugly season. I do think that there will be some growing pains as the offense figures itself out The preseason does not really give the ability of an offense to truly install itself in a game situation. And one of the reasons that I actually wish that the Seahawks would do joint practices is that I feel like in joint practices you get more out of the scenarios that you can create than you actually would in an actual preseason game. You get to control the scenarios and control, like sometimes in a preseason game, all of a sudden you fumble in the second play, and I mean, how can you really get the most that you want out of the offense? Wow, 10 plays, that's enough? That's enough to make you feel good about where your offense is at. Joint practices in training camp, I think, are honestly the future of the NFL's preseason. And I, I, I find it surprising that Seattle's never done it, given how competitive things get here. Maybe that's, maybe that's the point. 
or maybe they don't want things to be in too intense because of the possibility of injury. But I feel like that's going to give Seattle. I've always said this too, and I've been told it's just the location that it's harder for other teams to travel. Ah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Mora. I think it's, uh, East Coast teams do it more. Interesting. Yeah, because they're all nearby one another. That makes sense. But, I mean, I remember when I was covering the Texans, they, they had a training camp at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. And they once had San Francisco come to town for joint practices, which I watched in person. I mean, that's pretty far. It's a, I would imagine three-hour, four-hour flight. So it makes sense as an excuse, Mora, but I don't think it's a great one. You know, it's the NFL. I agree. You're making so much money. You really can't afford to fly a couple hours. Come on. Use those miles. Get a chase, get a chase card. <laughs> but get the right one. Don't get the one with uh, 100,000 points as opposed to the one with 60,000 points. Your boy made the wrong decision. Unfortunate. Very unfortunate. 710-710, that's the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me. At Gallant says, does this mean Russell Wilson's mere existence that the Seahawks are guaranteed to be plus 500 every single year? A text. He stuck up the second half last year because it went away from teammates and hung onto the ball too long. How many times did he pass up open receivers? Early in the play to hang on to the ball, looking for a home run ball, then getting sacked. Count him up and report tomorrow because this topic today sucks. <laughs> Look, uh, there were a lot. There definitely were a lot of those. And it's something he's going to need to work on just given the fact that he is no longer as mobile as he used to be. I found that statistic interesting and I just stumbled across it. I was like, okay, Russell Wilson, he's never had a sub 500 season. Who else hasn't? You don't think it's interesting that he is along with Tom Brady, the only two guys ever as far as quarterbacks in this league that haven't had it. And I suppose that predicting something to happen just because it hasn't and it's more likely to happen because it hasn't isn't necessarily the best way to go about predicting things in the future, but it does feel like the odds are not necessarily in his favor for him to be able to do this forever unless he is just on that same kind of level as Tom Brady. He's going to have to win a couple of Super Bowls to get there. Text in 710-710. I don't think that Russ is going to get any more championships, Paul. I'm not ruling it out. I don't know what this defense is going to be this year, and I feel like while I am skeptical of how much better it actually got, I do think that there is at the very least some potential to be surprised. The offense, is Gabe Jackson going to make that big of a difference? Is Gerald Everett going to make that big of a difference? Is Dwayne Eskridge going to make any difference as a rookie? Shane Waldron's the one that you're looking at as far as the newcomers on this team, and that's the one that I feel like has the most expectations attached to him and the guy who really can have the most impact on what the Seahawks do this year. Can they figure out a way to help Russell Wilson get the ball out as quickly as possible? I wanted to dive into a couple of things that we've seen over the last couple of days. Look, uh, you guys have heard what I've had to say about Richard Sherman and all the charges against him. I laid out all the facts as best I could last week, and I don't want to make this like a giant conversation every single day. But I do think he is extremely fortunate that the things went down the way that they went down, that no one was hurt, and that he is not getting very hard charges put against him. But, man, we have seen some hot takes coming out of what happened with Richard Sherman. First off, let's point at Jason Whitlock, who used to be a sports writer, and now, I, I don't know, I think he's unhinged. Don't blame head trauma for Richard Sherman's meltdown. Blame Black Lives Matter and years of Marxist programming. Oh, oh wow. I mean, I don't even think that's, that's, that is too hot for those speak for your pizza television shows. Here's another one. Uh, Richard Sherman case destroy, demonstrates how Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg are destroying America. Wow. 
you're trying too hard, sweetie. Another text or another story. Mike Florio tweeted this out after Sherman got arrested. And these guys have a longstanding beef, and it has to do with the fact that Sherman represents himself, but also there was a back and forth where Florio felt, excuse me, Sherman felt that Florio was misrepresenting what he was trying to say. When a player finally gets arrested, he usually calls his agent, who immediately drops everything in order to do whatever has to be done to get the player out on bail at no extra charge. Just a passive-aggressive thing done because he's mad, I guess, about some of the back and forth that he's had in the past with Richard Sherman. Why? What's the point of that one? Come on, Mike. There's no point in that one. And I'm not as anti-Florio as Danny is and as John Clayton is. I'm not. I, 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 we used to have him on our show in Houston. I, I, don't, I don't dislike him, and I do think that that website's a valuable resource. But what are you trying to do here other than just be a petty jerk? And one last one. This one is actually a good one because everyone was kind of going after the city of Redmond 911 dispatcher because they all thought that that 911 dispatcher was from the city of Redmond. No, that's actually from the King County Sheriff's Office. Redmond is free. Redmond is innocent. Redmond did not do anything bad. There was no 911 operator in Redmond who messed that up. That is King County. King County is initiating a review of the call. So there you go. A couple of takes that I wanted to clean up coming out of all things Richard Sherman. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. I know that one texter did not, but I had a great time. Hope you did too. It was great to hear from the Gras, our callers, and of course, the one and only Mora Dooley who makes this thing happen every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy are next. Have yourselves a wonderful Tuesday.